0: This is The Strategist, episode 1013. My name is Zane Velcher With me, as always, Damon Carter, Corey Hogan. Guys, what is going on?
1: How are you? I was just reflecting that I have never been so well-trained as Corey has trained me prior to the start of the music. (laughs) To just sit there and be quiet. (laughs) You have trained me better than my wife has trained me, better than my employers have trained me. You've done a great job. Like, that's really quite something.
2: Yeah, uh, they past employers, and, and I think this is all actually part of one story. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Well, What's the story? Why you gotta be like that? <laughs> why you gotta be I like know, what's that? The story? I don't know. You know, like, I thought I we thought were friends. We're gonna, I
0: thought he was going to be story time. That's what, what story am I missing? Hi, guys. How uh, are you I'll doing? Story how are you doing? Time. Hey, Does Carter, um, takes... uh, high praise for you in, in the last episode, their Patreon special. Uh, for those who missed it, Stephen Carter did a 90-minute um, interrogation by the board of the Strategist Media Corporation, which includes Corey and I, yeah. on his uh, Surrey electoral loss. Uh, we also have a document that Stephen Carter wrote. We interrogated him on the loss, what he learned, why he lost, why the campaign lost. It was fascinating, Carter, and people seem to love it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a reason to become a patron right there, is to watch me shed my ego uh, <laughs> in front of thousands of people. Um, That's what I was told was so good. And we, you know, people always said that that was the best part.
2: Really appreciate it because the deputy prime minister is trying to get people to cut expenses everywhere. And this is true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, It's uh, true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Shall we, shall we do it? (laughs) Shall we do it? Let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment, not a fairy tale ending. Corey, you've mentioned it. Disney. Yeah. And Krista Freeland are splitting up. Play the clip, Corey, play the clip. And I think Canadian families are looking really closely at all of their expenses. I personally, as a mother and wife,
1: look carefully at my credit card bill once a month. And last Sunday, I said to the kids, you're older now. You don't want to watch Disney anymore. Let's cut that Disney Plus subscription. So we cut it. It's only $13.99
0: a month that we're saving, but every little bit helps. And I think every mother in Canada is doing that right now.
2: Okay, there's many reasons why this <laughs> I'm so is so upset. Okay. There's like eight <laughs> things I'm mad about in that. Yeah. Clip. Okay. So, yeah. so
0: first of all, can yeah. I just say? Let me just let me just um, knock off a few things here. Um,
2: yeah. Only murders in the building.
0: Okay? Oh, so good. We just uh, watched it last yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Another
2: episode. We're uh,
0: the bear. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Every single Disney movie ever. Uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Okay. That's not your speed. Don't worry. Because your Disney Plus. Uh, Subscription Christopher Freeland also comes with Star, which includes damages. Have you guys seen damages? Exceptional show. Oh yeah. Okay. No. Is Bollywood your no. speed? Don't worry, we've got some classic Runveer Singh movies on there as well. I know. I know. You can go for some Runveer Singh movies. Okay. Every Wes Anderson movie. You, you don't want to watch that. Nah, don't y- worry. Y- Matt Damon in The Martian. <laughs> okay. I'm just reading off text. You know, <laughs> Disney Plus is not for kids, and I feel Christopher Freeland has, has just... made a grave mistake. Can I also add one more title? Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Stephen Carter, have you seen Jojo Rabbit? This is fuck. exceptional.
1: I love Jojo. Okay. It's one of my favorite movies. But you're just pissing me off now because I also cut Disney Disney Plus about three months ago. Go fuck and, yourself! Uh, What's wrong with you? I'm missing. Well, because we we actually had the same conversation. <laughs> I lost Prime and I lost Disney Plus. No, here, and no, now I'm pretty angry.
0: On. Okay, Corey, lay out what you're mad with. I'm. If what it's not clear, no. uh, Disney Plus. uh it, Disney Plus is is not tricks cereal okay it's more than just for kids there's a lot going on in yeah. disney plus and i think she's made a grave mistake yeah i agree uh, by cutting disney plus i think I, I i'm i'm just livid about this i really yeah.
1: am hey guys can i know you can't can I get you're one done. of your passwords you're done
0: you're yeah judge- you're done your oh, judgment Corey, is
2: so far into the darkness by the fact that you cut disney plus listen of all of the streaming services you is
0: tesla that will get yeah. to that in a second too yes
2: go ahead <laughs> yeah. Corey. of all of the streaming services disney plus is the last one standing This is this is this is not Disney as in Disney cartoons, Disney. This is conglomerate Disney that owns everything from ESPN to Fox to, uh, you know, to Lucasfilms and everything in between. Yeah, it's the maddest thing I've ever heard. Like you want to watch Is It Cake on Netflix before you watch literally every great movie and every great television. The Simpsons is on Disney Plus. Family Guy. I mean, I mean, all of it's on Disney. Listen,
1: guys, this has been so
2: revelatory to me.
1: That I'm I can see political attack ads being made so, out of this, Carter. I feel oh, like this, this is
0: <laughs> raw ingredients for a political I, uh, attack ad, whatever she runs for leadership of this country. Because, I mean, this speaks to temperament. This speaks to judgment, Carter. I, I don't, so I, you kept I, Netflix and you dropped Disney Plus? What is wrong with you?
1: Well, I got the whole family on God. Netflix, you know, so if I dropped Netflix for me, I'd drop it for everyone. Uh, and the kids, the kids have found ways to get Disney plus, right? So they, yeah, you know, why? They've all gone everybody other... has
2: it because it's the greatest.
1: <sighs> I made a mistake yeah. is what I'm trying to get across. Heather, if you're listening. Um...
2: <laughs> yeah, she, she is. Cause there's nothing else to do because you got rid of Disney plus. You got
0: rid of Disney yeah, plus. Um, uh, You know, you know what, what, what Christopher Phelan should probably do tonight's a Sunday evening. She could probably go home and, and watch that uh, exceptional peter jackson documentary on the oh no she can't watch it because she cut <laughs> disney plus oh no that sucks
1: hey, for her. you guys are really upsetting me because i literally have done this and no no you you are in a very different
0: boat you are trying to consolidate all resources to justify your tesla okay that is what's happened at your <laughs> I household to do that that's yeah. very different than what i think is happening in christopher freeland's household which is christopher freeland understandably doesn't have time to watch Disney Plus, but is making everyone else in her family suffer, and I, and I feel like yeah. that is that is that is a grave grave mistake.
2: Let me tell you the um, list. It, it goes head. it goes insulin, Disney Plus, food. That's the that's the oh, that's Mike. the that's yeah. the
0: new Maslow hierarchy of needs.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Signing up for it again, you should do <laughs> you it right sign out. up. for it. Again. In
0: fact, in fact, Corey, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call an audible on this a Peyton Manning style audible. Uh, I am happy okay. to to create a side fund from some of our patron funds for Christopher Freeland for those for that thirteen ninety-nine a month if she needs what, it.
1: What about me? What, <laughs> what what does she
0: need? No, I think she need, she needs it a bit more. So yeah, you know she that does. creativity that comes from Jojo Rabbit, right? Where a, a young Nazi soldier can have an imaginary I best friend Jojo as Rabbit. Hitler. I mean, that's the creativity we will need from our finance minister to get out of the current situation that we find ourselves in on the cost of living, Carter. So I think she needs it more than you. I feel like your situation is, is slightly different.
2: Yeah. So the other things I'm kind of irritated about is... Well, that was the main thing. I don't think there's Yeah, I mean, that else, is but the fine. main Keep thing. Coming. That but the main thing. Talk about a political <laughs> own goal. This is a classic gaffe. This is...
0: Can we can we actually talk about yeah. why is
2: this an own goal? Because on the surface,
0: like, let's so let's be serious for a second. On the surface, it seems like a very logical thing to say, hey, we should all review our budgets. Here's sure. one thing I cut, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Hey, yeah. we should all review our budgets. Even that you're in some pretty dangerous ground because it's, well, fuck you very much, Chris. Yeah? Maybe you could do something about inflation yeah. is what a lot of people are going to feel. But the minute she gives an example that costs 1399 a month, I mean, my mortgage is up for renewal this month and it's, you know, it's not a significant deal for me that, you know, part of the house is paid down or whatnot, but it's, you know, it's, it's almost a thousand dollars more a month. I'll be paying as a result of all of this. Right. Mm. And,
1: well, thank God for that sweet, sweet patron money. Okay? <laughs> He's huh? Right
2: huh? on, right. No, but like <laughs> this is this is the this is the real conversation happening at at dinner tables. And while I do think it's generally a good idea, and I do this by the way once a year, go through and say what kind of monthly subscriptions have I incurred that I actually don't use, and then I start mm-hmm. chopping them off. That's not a. That's not what people want to hear from the finance minister because it's it's like. It, it the people sitting at home are like, this is a YP Christian. This is your problem. Fix inflation. And she say, no, no, this is this is actually your problem. You've got to go through your mm. bill, and you've got to cut the things that you like. You've got to take the good stuff out of life because because inflation's big. And what you're gonna do? But you're the finance minister. Uh, but then to use an example of something that is so so not in the scale of what a lot of Canadian families are dealing with as they're looking at these cost pressures, I, I think is very insulting to people. And so I'm not sure what she was thinking. And it really did have the the same energy as suggesting millennials can't buy houses because of avocado toast. It's like talk about you know, you're here. You're looking at this tiny thing. The big picture is what's fucked, right? And um and that's not gonna help her well as finance minister. She better hope she gets that NATO uh Secretary General role and can get the hell out of Dodge, because this one will haunt her.
0: Carter, yeah. do you think it do you agree with Corey? Do you feel like this wasn't an- an own goal and and even to the extent that Corey thinks it,
1: it was? I mean people are stopping buying fresh fruits and vegetables. People are buying frozen, you know, frozen more frozen foods than they ever have. There's more people using food banks. Um this isn't something yes the 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 upper middle class may have had to go back through and and cut their their subscriptions down from six subscriptions to four subscriptions. Um but there are lots of other people who don't have basic internet. Um, so the problem that you find is it whenever you pull the example out from your privileged life, you're going to be way above a lot of people whose lives aren't that privileged. And so you we wind up in two categories. One, as Corey has said, um, don't make don't tell me I have to cut. Tell mm. me what you're gonna do to make my life better. Because that's the role of government in many people's minds. And then um the second piece is the group of people who really are suffering through this i mean to be honest the upper middle class and the and the middle class usually do fairly well through these things hmm. it's the it's the poor um the lower socioeconomic strata that really struggle and they're not believe me if fixing their ho- household bills could be done by simply cutting the subscription to um to disney plus they'd have done it long ago uh,
0: Corey carter does mention some that's something quite interesting about like plucking an example out of your privileged life. What's interesting about it is that this is subscriptions. I think it's fair to say, and maybe it isn't fair to say, as we kind of, you know, perhaps go through the same meta-analysis ourselves, that it's something relatable though, but perhaps is that part of the problem, that it was a relatable expense? Or was the majority of the problem that this was our finance minister, the person that could do so much more than than give a 30-second sort of, even if it was inadvertent lecture on, on one's household budget?
2: Yeah, I, the thing that continually sprung to mind was somebody who I assume is related to Stephen because he said, you know, equally ridiculous things like I'm going to cancel Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter in 1977 um, made a famous speech known as the sweater speech where he, he said, well, you know, in this energy crisis and I'm paraphrasing here, but what you got to do is turn down the thermostat and put on a sweater. And it it became like so indicative of this era of malaise that the united states was going through right like this mm. is how america solves problems now we we turn down the thermostat you know what I else mean? reminds me of
0: cory i might just throw in another example do you remember 2008 obama where fuel prices were high and his suggestion was to check your tire pressure um <laughs> remember that yes which yes, he wasn't do. wrong do you no, remember he's not, that and
2: jimmy carter wasn't wrong by the way yeah, Gar- yeah. zane yeah. you and i sitting here in sweaters right you got a hat on <laughs> Because our thermostats are at like 16 and 17, respectively, because this is how we do. How um, we do, how we live. Yeah, in the immortal words of Catherine Elizabeth Hudson, this is how we do. And, um, you know, but it's not bad advice, but it's not the advice people want to hear from their leaders. They want to hear what their leaders are going to do, not their great tips like, you know, put your change in a jar. And at the end of the year, you'll be surprised how much it adds up to. Like nobody wants to hear that from their from their leaders.
1: Carter, yeah, but th- th- yeah, let's be clear, though, that that's sometimes what, you know, like that's sometimes all that's available. And I think that the, the instinct to provide, you know, advice like that is actually what the problem is. Right. Christopher Freeland doesn't need to step on this rail. No one is taking her to this place. And she went there on her own just so she can show that she's part of the regular people. Well, I'll tell you something. As soon as you get elected, you're no longer part of the regular people. You're part of them. And them don't bring solutions like this them bring solutions not actual. you know like this isn't the thing that we're looking for them to bring to us um what them should be bringing is something that's going to make me happy something that's going to make me more successful ideally i'm going to look better you know those are the types of things that we want you know like and and maybe this is the great politics problem of politics where we're asking our leaders to do things for us that we can't get done ourselves but Whether it's the problem of politics or the opportunity of politics, it really doesn't matter to the strategist. What matters to the strategist is how do I get my candidate reelected? How do I get my finance minister to the prime minister's chair? And this certainly didn't help today. Yeah.
2: Look, you know, and it go ahead, Corey. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you're sitting there, you're definitely thinking, regardless of who you are in Canada, Christian, this is your problem, not mine. Don't make it my problem. Uh, And if you're of middle income or higher, it's just not on the scale to be helpful. And if you're lower income, you've probably already cut that. You don't need like to hear about the frivolities of streaming services. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd also say it kind of requires this like political sixth sense as well to, to know when your examples or your outreach to folks is, is going to fall on deaf ears in, in in the moment as well. And by the way, sixth sense also available on Disney plus uh, to the finance base. If she does not want to watch it, it is available. Uh, Fantastic movie. Um, worth uh, re watching. I really would say it's a re it. Corey. I've never is. seen it. I cut <laughs> yeah. my subscription to no, yeah. I figured Carter, uh, you're lo- losing a lot. By the way, um, the way Christopher Freeland's speech should have gone is, um, listen, I review my credit card every month. What I've noticed is uh, on my personal travel expenses, I'm using Air Canada and WestJet too often. And what I'm going to now do going forward <laughs> is switch to Flair Airlines, that budget airline will get me in the same place. Yeah, sure, later or never, but it will try. And that's what's that's worth just it. just more
2: time to be working for Canadians on the tarmac. It's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. But you know, actually, Zane, where I thought you were going with this, and what actually is a example that she could use to say, I'm a regular person too. Now, here's what I'm going to do with my deeply irregular powers is, I was reviewing my credit card bill and I couldn't help but notice that credit card interest has gone up, I think, more than could be defensible uh, given this environment here. So I'm going to be using my powers as finance minister to bring the banks together. And I'm going to say, what are we doing to keep credit card interest rates at 18.99, not shooting up to 22.99? That's the kind of decision people want from their finance minister.
1: Oh, that would have been so good. That would have been fantastic. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm glad you you kind of proposed that, Corey. Curry, what would you have suggested? Like you like Corey's? If she wanted to, oh, yeah. let's just let's just even whiteboard it. Christopher Freeland, she wanted to make a humanizing statement. What advice would you have given her if, if uh, even as a bullet point on her, her, her briefing note as she was walking into that uh, uh, into that statement or that press
1: conference? As it, well, I would be one of the briefing points I'd give to any politician. No one ever wants to hear about you. They want to hear about them. They want to hear about what you're going to do for them, not what you've done for yourself. And, and I think that that's probably where she went off the rails um, she thought, well, I'll use an, uh, an experience from my own life to illustrate how people, you know, we're all in this together. And once we're all in this together, everybody's going to see that I'm working hard and and prime Minister's working hard to make sure that everybody's managing their expenses the best way possible. But Corey's example had actual real teeth to it. Corey says, you know, we're going to, mm. we're going to actually take an action to prevent credit card companies from, from, uh, massive windfalls at a time when credit card debt is growing, right? That actually had something to say. Uh, Joe Biden said uh, this week, finally this week, that they're going to take action on excessive profits with oil and gas companies to prevent gouging at the pumps. That's that's the example of the actual action that people are looking for. They aren't looking for, well, I went through, you know, I, I too have stopped buying, um, you know, fresh vegetables and I found myself more in the frozen fruit aisle or more in the frozen vegetable aisle. They're not looking for you to say that either. That's, you know, if you're not in the frozen vegetable aisle, now you're afraid that you're going to be right. And all of this is you can't use your own personal. There's nothing personal left in your life, except what can I do for you? That's, that's, the, yep. that's the talking point that I would have given to her. Mm.
2: So Carter underlines it. She had to use, She used experience from her own life to give them great tips about how they can be more like her. And that was a mistake. That comes off very badly. She should have been looking for ways she could use experience in her own life to inform tough action by government that helps me. And that's the difference. And that's the line that she failed to be on the right side of in this particular instance.
0: I would suggest weekly press conferences where she just gives out coupon codes that her the team
2: source <laughs> out. Have you tried honey? You can save up to 15% without doing a thing. I'm told Harvey's coupon code HAR zero zero three gets you an
0: Angus burger for two for fourteen ninety nine. Not bad if they would do that every week. I feel like people
1: would do it. Hang on a second. I don't think. It's did, a we idea. <laughs> did we just get two no, new sponsors?
0: Did we just get? No, we did. Like, we did because
1: things are really yeah. looking up for us. We
0: we didn't get new sponsors. But by the way, um, we'll leave that uh, segment there. This segment, of course, brought to us by Flair Airlines. Flair Airlines. Really, and Netflix. But... The Netflix with commercials of the CBC gem of the sky. Carter. Let's move it on <laughs> to our next segment. Our next segment, (laughs) Superstar Loserdom. I want to focus on the United. We're talking about me again. We are indeed (laughs) talking about. I want to focus back on your sprawl piece and the ninety minutes. (laughs) Oh, good. The ninety minutes that we did with you last episode, which I do highly suggest people, um, you know, cut their Disney Plus and subscribe to Patreon to to listen to. Um, Carter, let's Mm -hmm. talk about the United States. Um. The U.S. midterms are mm. happening on Tuesday. We record okay. today on yeah. Sunday the 6th in the evening. By the time most people will listen to it, they'll only be a day away from, from the U.S. midterms. Yeah. And there's a lot to talk about, right? Um, the fact is that the economy seems to be overriding all other issues in the United States. Joe Biden's approval rating uh, in the 40s. Uh, every time we've had uh, a sitting president whose approval rating has been in the 40s, they've lost big on seat count. The Democrats are certainly expecting that on the, on the House side, where the House might go to the Republicans, with Speaker Kevin McCarthy soon taking over. Uh, there's also very competitive Senate races in Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, to name a few. Um, but I want to focus on the Democrats, and I want to focus on something that I think could be a starting point of conversation. But let's expand beyond that because while we could certainly get into the weeds of American politics, we won't be able to do it in one episode, and we won't be able to catch up on all the backstory that's gone on and the insanity of the last number of weeks Mm -hmm. and months, including uh, several election deniers on the ballot, including one that might become next governor of Arizona. So many storylines, but here's the one I'll hone in on: Stacey Abrams and Beto O'Rourke, Corey, Mm -hmm. two individuals who are running for governor, Stacey Abrams in Georgia again. Beto or work running for governor for the first time, but this is after he ran for Senate. This is after he ran for president. Now running for governor, both are expected to lose. Beto, perhaps by double-digit points, um, after a close-ish uh, uh, race against Ted Cruz for Senate the last time he ran in 2018. These are superstars, Corey, in the Democratic Party. They've built infrastructure. They're kind of have outside social media presence. But in the case of Ben O'Rourke, he's going to lose for the third time, and in the case without successfully reaching his political goal. Of course, he's been a congressman before. And if you're Stacey Abrams, yeah, you were credited for the Warnock and Ossoff seats and helping Joe Biden turn Georgia blue, but you're going to more than likely lose as well. So I want to talk about these superstars in the Democratic Party, these all-stars that have disproportionate amount of weight outside of elected office but continually seem to lose. And and Corey, is this just a problem in your mind as I kind of walk through at least my analysis of, of these folks? Is this just a problem in the Democratic Party? Is this a changing nature of politics that you don't need to be in elected office? When you hear of someone like Abrams and Beto, where does your mind go to first? We'll, we'll, st- we'll start off with some general thoughts from you.
2: Yeah, so in 1832, Abraham Lincoln ran for the state legislature in Illinois and lost and ever since then, ever since he became a president, I guess, after that, Americans have deluded themselves into thinking that failure is a great path to victory. And unfortunately for the Democratic Party, they have really sold themselves this myth that you can – well, Zane, you used the word superstar and my head almost flew off of my shoulders. Now, in the case of Abrams, <laughs> maybe, because she did do uh, some remarkable work of organizing communities and and really just overhauling the way Georgia approaches the vote in the mm-hmm. last election, Right. Delivered Georgia for the Democrats. In the case of Beto O'Rourke, what, what evidence do we have that Beto O'Rourke is a superstar? What evidence do we have that Beto O'Rourke is a superstar? He
1: rolled up his shirt sleeves. How dare you?
2: Yeah. How dare you? you? How he holds his, he mic. He holds up his it shirt like sleeves. a rapper.
0: I like that. Very, very, <laughs> like, at the, at the top of the mic. So you All right, you yeah, might be making
2: my point for me here. Like, the, like <laughs> no, yes, he's no, no, very no. popular yeah, no. with a certain subset of yes. Democrats. No, no,
0: no. Let me tell you something. So, okay, so how, why do I say superstar? Uh, disproportionate public profile if you were to ask people the top 10 most notable democrats top 20 i think he makes that list cory without holding elected office
2: great and in so, you know and, and, 19... and then building that
0: organization in a state like texas which i think the democrats may have also deluded themselves that it is indeed purple when it clearly
2: is not in many sure. many
0: ways um they Clearly, he's made some inroads there, built an in infrastructure there. Right. So,
2: Zane. And okay. in that same 1977 where Jimmy Carter told us to put on a sweater, the son of Sam would have had great name recognition. Doesn't mean you want to put him on the ballot. It, <laughs> it, <laughs> I'm not defending him. I'm, I'm just trying. Despite the fact that it's, or not him. it's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. And Democrats have managed to delude themselves that just because somebody can get some swing and be popular on social media, Oh my God! You've got a Better or for Senate sticker. I just hate your guts right now. And, I do. I
0: just found it in my drawer.
2: Yeah, just <laughs> casually looking in your drawer. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. no. I see, I, I've got other. I've got my okay. whole political sticker collections in there, Corey. All right. God. Listen. My point is this: this is actually, I think, indicative of the problem the Democrats have, which is that they're more interested in a certain type of celebrity, and a certain type, I mean, appeals to their base. Uh, than they are actually in contesting elections in ways that the people in those communities want to see them contested. And again, I'm going to focus on Beto because Beto is is really a bad offender on this one. We talked about this when, uh, you know, there was that heckler uh, that came up right after Evalde, which, by the way, is just still a story I cannot read the news on. What a tragedy, how awful all mm-hmm. of that was. What the mm-hmm. fuck are you doing, in America? Uh, so I don't want to be misunderstood on what I say next, but like he was heckled. And Beto O'Rourke said, might be funny to you, fucker, or something like that, but yeah, it's not yeah, funny to yeah. me. Yeah, well, and then the polls, if anything, moved against We talked about an swearing
0: in politics episode. I remember that. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's right. And and well, it was very cathartic for people who share the same worldview that he does, and I would include myself on this, being like, You are so offside if you think it's appropriate to to make comments like that after a tragedy like this. It didn't move the meter in Texas. And unless Democrats start getting serious about that, they're going to they're gonna go uh, – like, listen, the Republicans are doing a version of this too. They've got all of these lunatics Donald Trump has managed to get yep. into nominations, yep. right? But it, just because they're scoring on themselves doesn't mean you've got to match own goals here. And I, I don't know. It, like, it's very frustrating to me when I think about how often the Democrats have sort of championed somebody because they want them to be popular rather than the fact that they are popular. That is such an interesting point,
0: Carter. And do you feel like that's a new post social media reality in in our politics? That that this person needs to get elected office; they have to. Like yeah. everything about it, we love. We're let's just let's do whatever we can to will it into existence. That coupled with Corey's point about maybe parties deluding themselves that failure or losing is a great sort of stepping stone towards victory, or as we call it in politics, moral victories can be a great stepping stone to actual victories. Do you feel like there's like no cost of losing? And then this combined with like celebrity will and then the will of the party Carter to just force things by brute force to perhaps happen. Do you think that's perhaps diluted them and, and set them a step backwards? And, and And especially with the two examples that I kind of point out there with, you know, greatest of respect, especially to Abrams, in terms of what she's able to do in that last election.
1: Sure. She's great. Love her. Fantastic. She's fantastic. Um, here it comes. You here know, comes the bite. I think that the, the, pro- <laughs> the problem is, I think that there's a lot of people who say, you know what, I would love Stacey Abrams to represent me in my district. Of course. I would love for her to be the governor of New York. I would love for, you know, Beto O'Rourke to be the, the governor of, of Connecticut. He'd be amazing. And you know what? He might win in Connecticut. In fact, I think he would win in Connecticut. But because of social media, because we now see local stories as national stories, um, and because there were these weird little bumps and people got more attention than they um, probably deserved, we're now seeing a shift, right? And people say, well, I, I, you know, we're going to put him back because how could he have lost? He was the, he was the best candidate we had in the cycle. Mm-hmm. No, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He lost. Right. He, well, he was the best loser we had in this cycle. We, we, we showed that by running him for, we ran him for president. Remember, we ran him for president where he, oh, fuck. Well, he lost as well there, but I think he could do it again. And I think that this is bigger than just the Democrats or the Republicans in the United States because I think that they're, I think that this is like, I think you see this even in the New Democrats here in Alberta. Or the conservatives here in Alberta, where they now the conservatives may choose uh, a candidate that's really far to the right in a uh, in an urban riding thinking, man, this is someone who really or, or a leader like Danielle Smith. She really appears to appeals to rural Alberta. I'm sure we can make Calgary understand her and like her. Well, that doesn't work like that. You know, you have to have the candidate that works on the ground in the place that you are. Not the candidate that works on the ground in a place that you wish they were, right? So you can't just drop in this candidate and say, I love this person. She, She or he is a fantastic person, and we're going to elect them in Texas. You can't. Stacey Abrams, you decide to run somewhere else. Like if Stacey Abrams had chosen to run for one of those two Senate seats, she would have won. But she wanted to be governor. And you know what? The good people of Georgia don't want her to be governor. That is interesting. That's how we choose people.
0: That's interesting to me, Carter, saying that like these are perhaps um, you know, not, not necessarily um, viable in the areas that they want to represent, but their national profile outstrips all of that. And then we kind of forget the local, domestic, regional reality, which I think yeah. is great, because I, maybe I'll kind of contrast that with an example where the Democrats haven't funded a single dollar into Tim Ryan, and this guy might take out J.D. Vance in Ohio for that Senate seat. This is a guy who's saying, telling Biden to not show up, running like of the place as a, as a Northwest, I think, believe Northwestern Ohio uh, former congressman uh, and giving J.D. Vance, a uh, Trump uh, you know, endorsed candidate, uh, a real run for his money, which maybe is a contrary example. Doesn't really have the star power or the national brand, but has the local
2: and regional viability in that sense. Corey, you want to jump in on this? Well, your your point is well taken here. One of the things that's happened as these campaigns have been nationalized, as Carter was talking about, is money from other parts of the country, applause from other parts of the country, volunteerism from other parts of the country, prop up candidates in ways they wouldn't be propped up before. And so in so wild way, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And in like this hyper-actualized way where all of a sudden, you know, you think about a race like Texas. Texas is a huge state, right? But Texas is less than 10% of the population of the United States. And Mm -hmm. so if all of a sudden you're a celebrity on a national scale, that's great. And that puts you in the game, I think, in a certain way. But one of the ironies here is that that putting you in, like that external money and that external audience you're playing to inevitably means you're not playing the same way to your internal audience. And that's the ones that are actually going to get you at the end of the day. Uh, And so the line that people have to walk is they want to get that money. They want to get that shine. They, in fact, they even want to pull some of that credibility into their state, but they can't lose focus on their state and the contest that's in front of them and the people that are actually voting for them or not voting for them here. And it's almost impossible to do, right? It, it's You're playing for such wildly different audiences in a place like the United States when you're running in a state like Texas and you're talking to New York donors.
0: Isn't that yeah. isn't that quite something, Carter? You know, I, I, I this is from memory, but I remember that... Beto, when he ran for Senate, I think he may have raised the most amount of money in a quarter than any Senate candidate ever had. It was something like $40 million. And it still didn't matter. Like, it still didn't matter I- no. in the sense. Because, and to Corey's point, a lot of that was probably, and I'm going to, this is where I actually don't have the facts, but I'm going to make an assumption, may have been coastal money. They may have been money from the SFs and the DCs and the and the New Yorks to be like, we love this guy like and, and whatever we can do to to ensure his viability in Texas we we will here's a bunch of checks and so this conversation of nationalizing some of these figures without giving them the infrastructure regionally outside of clearly the dollars and and pe- perhaps some money um, to really actually push through the viability is, is actually quite an interesting dynamic and I want to get into it whether we can whether we might experience that here in Canada or we already are but Carter jump in on this before before we get into that part of the conversation
1: And that's where Stacey Abrams is so interesting. Stacey Abrams built the infrastructure that enabled um, Warnock and uh, Ossoff, forgetting the other guys, Ossoff Ossoff to to yeah yeah, to to win the uh, their seats in the Senate. Um, But that infrastructure then, but never coalesced behind her, right? And, And we talked a little bit about what happens to candidates, why sometimes candidates aren't as popular as they as we think they might be. Uh, in the episode on the, the last Patreon, where we were talking about uh, Surrey. And I think that this is part of that, right? Stacy Abrams is clearly an effective organizer. Um, she is well known to her communities. She's able to to get more people registered to vote, more people actually out voting than ever before. And, and yet she's unable to get herself elected. And at some point, we have to point to the candidate. Because Beto may not have had the organization. Um, behind him. Maybe he just had the uh, the star appeal that, that, that he kind of got from being that um, reasonable Texan that everybody wishes that they could see. Um, but that's different than Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams had built the infrastructure to get two other people elected, and it's never been applied to herself. And I think that that has something more to do with the candidate than the actual circumstances. Mm. Well, but, I think if, a lot of it is...
0: Jump in. And then and I've got a question yeah. for you about these three and their, and their and these two, sorry, and their, and their future in particular. Go ahead, though.
2: Well, a lot of it has to do with your point, Stephen, about um, how sometimes the party wants something and then the public wants something else, you know, and then they, they try to will it into, yeah. move it into a, a, a riding or in this case, a district or a state. Uh, one of the things that Stacey Abrams was brilliant about was organizing and galvanizing people who already agreed. Right or you know it's like now you got to go and vote. We got to organize. We can do this, and and that takes a certain set of skills. And then there's another set of skills that is convincing the swing voter that they should vote for you. And they are not necessarily Mm. like they they rely on the same kind of oratory base, but they're not necessarily the same. And you're not necessarily going to come off the same to both audiences. And I don't actually I don't follow the Georgia race enough to know whether that's the case or not. I just want to throw that out there. Like I'm not following Stacey Abrams speeches, but just because you are a phenomenal organizer and just because you are phenomenal at speaking to your party and, um, you know, speaking to a, 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 you know, um, like the city of Atlanta, right. Does not mean you are necessarily uh, going to be able to transfer that skill to different audiences, right. To Republicans, to swing voters. And uh, maybe that's something to keep in mind too, as we're having this conversation.
0: Carter, you know, I will talk about their future, but Corey's kind of brought something up for me with with his most recent comments, which is we've talked in the past about like the diminishing returns on the dollar, right? Like at a certain point, you know, Beto, these two are going to be incredibly well-funded. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but let's just assume they they absolutely were and are. Um, But there's a diminishing return there. Carter, there also seems to be a diminishing, if not no return, and I don't know where it is, and I'm sure it's fluid. On when you become a national brand, the value that that brings to you on a regional level might be negligible. Mm -hmm. And I find like this is quite interesting. Like, this is a lesson learned in some ways, right? Like, the more national your brand in some ways, to Corey's point, like, not only are you trying to straddle by keeping the flame going for the broader party and your star appeal and the gloss that you might mean to the rest of the country while being laser focused on how to actually win this thing. But it may actually be a hindrance in some ways that you've got national star power or profile. I'm going to use profile so Corey doesn't have an aneurysm, Um, right? So in some ways, I think that's a really interesting lesson learned, not just in U.S. politics, but maybe overall. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that uh, particular point.
1: Well, look at Herschel Walker. I mean, Herschel Walker was a national brand, but all he's done um, with that national brand is bring more attention to himself and it turns out that bringing more attention to yourself isn't necessarily good. In politics, I've I've talked often about the the curse of the celebrity leader. We've talked about Justin Trudeau. Mm. We're very critical I think of Justin Trudeau. And part of that criticism comes from him being mostly a celebrity leader. Um celebrities rise high. They rise perhaps higher than anybody else. Um but they crash fast. And that's part of the normal celebrity cycle, right? All of a sudden one day you're Kim Kardashian and the next day you're Kim Kardashian. You know, you're up, you're down, you're all over the place. You know, who remembers uh, you know, the celebrities from the from the early 80s, you know, they show you these pictures now. Where 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 are they now? You know, the 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 TikTok mm. time lapses of these really ugly people that turn out to be the people I had crushes on in the 80s. You know, that that that's kind of how celebrity works. Celebrity goes up and celebrity goes down. And when you put politics into a celebrity cycle, it may not work. Um, I was, you know, when we, when I was working with Nenshi, I was very worried about the celebrity cycle that he was on. Um, I thought that it was it potentially very damaging. Uh, he managed it very, very well and turned it into, turned himself into a, a very capable politician. But not every politician is able to manage, the, especially in the glare of the United States, mm. um, the celebrity cycle uh, that grinds you up and spits you out um as part of that structure. And and you know, so if you court if you're AOC and you're courting uh the celebrity uh lifestyle for your politics, um all that extra attention probably means that AOC, you know, big prediction here. But I I don't think AOC I think AOC would really struggle to become the president of the United States uh because she has got so much attention and she is such a focal point. Um, for so many.
0: Corey, here's how I see their futures. Let me give you a few multiple choice options, and I'm kind of curious to hear what strategic advice or political advice you'd give to Abrams and Beto, and it might be different for each. Mm-hmm. I almost see three distinct lanes. Number one, thank you for continuing to be the martyr in Texas slash Atlanta. These places are either red or purple, and you have to fight the uphill battle, so thank you for chipping away this time. We expect to see you in the ballot on four, in four years, next Senate race, whatever. Thank you for the fight. Uh, Your gloss still remains. We'll still support you at the national level. Uh, We can't even come close in these regions if it's not for you. Thanks for this round. We'll see you next cycle. Keep going. Second one, lane number two. You know what? Maybe elected office isn't for me. I've got this national brand. I've got this profile. I've got this social following. I've got this cultural following, this quasi cultural following. Maybe I try to influence the outcome of these places. using my voice on the outside number three national office screw this fucking place right like yes i'm always going to be from this place georgia or texas but national office that's where my brand is that's where my profile is that's where i'm going to go through next Beto's tried that already abrams hasn't if you're giving them advice cory is it any in any of those three lanes or is it a fourth lane or is it a distinct lane what are you telling them after a let's just assume loss on tuesday evening
2: Well, one of the national offices available to you in the United States is you don't need to be elected in your home state in order to be a secretary in in the president's cabinet, right? Mm And so mm -hmm. that's that's a possibility. And I think that's probably something that Abrams, I seem to recall there was some reporting that she was offered a cabinet posting.
0: There was some scuttlebutt Uh, about that. I don't remember where it landed. I don't know.
2: Well, obviously it didn't land in her taking it, but there was some scuttlebutt about it, I believe. So, I mean, In some ways, I think that's the most natural fit to them. You know, in some way, maybe, especially, well, certainly in Abrams' case, maybe, Beto, I'm being too hard on here. But the reality is part of why people go back to them uh, is because they did represent high watermarks kind of morally or, you know, Again, like Ann Richards won in the '90s, it's not like a Democrat can't win in Texas, right? But good point, yeah. Um, but seen as kind of a local high watermark, and that's true
0: because their their performance in '22 will be less than what they probably both did in '18, respectively. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and so I won't be surprised. Let's just talk about what others will want first, right? Mm-hmm. They may have done great job of building the organization, building the enthusiasm, giving people a sense that it can happen. Certainly. Ted Cruz looks beatable in a way that didn't before 2018, right? But Moses never saw the promised land. And I do think the party is going to move on at a certain point and say, well, we got to try something else Um, in these actual races here. And especially if you're Beto O'Rourke, you've kind of pinged through most of them at this point that you could potentially run for. Like, he's not going to run for president again. Like, that's, that's not likely. He's not more likely to win. Now, I would actually argue he's less likely to win Texas governor because he ran for president in 2020 and he Mm -hmm. should have kept his powder dry. Um, But I think that probably because of the way they've run their races and because of the way that they have been elevated into national conversation, there is a national role for them. I just don't think it's elected office. I think it's more likely to be pundit, consultant, organizer, you know, more of a James Carville style for both of them that they could morph into uh, rather than thinking that they're actually going to run for president at some point. Stacey Abrams, I think, still has a path. Stacey Abrams could easily end up being, uh, you know, a cabinet secretary. I don't think Beto O'Rourke is on that path. That's my view, at least. And so for him, I think the pundit organizer approach, galvanize the base, is is the right approach. And you know, one of the things I've been sitting here mulling about is, we Tip O'Neill famously said all politics is local. But well, with apologies to him, in 2022, it kind of feels like all politics is national, and everybody's it trying does. to get that. Yeah get that yeah. into the big conversation into the poll and even locally it's how much are you your base is trying to see you as a champion for your cause more more you know nationally and it's the world we live in now where the markets are not so small they're they're big and they're segmented but they're big and um it, maybe they should be aligning their skill sets to that rather than trying to win locally which they they seem to be getting further away from
0: you know, Carter, that's such a good point Corey makes, because in the past, when we used to have politicians emerge, I'm going to put emerge in air quotes, it used to be on the back end of them winning, right? They'd win their local race and we'd be like, what the fuck happened here? Who is this person that just surprised us with the victory? And then would be the national profile. Right now, I challenge you on either side of the, the ticket to be like, is there someone who is a emerging star or someone with profile or someone to promise that we don't know about at the national level already that's just doing the work and is going to win it seems like even in the most you know um hard-fought races where and i forget it was a jamie harrison running against lindsey graham people knew about him because he needed like a hundred million dollars to go against lindsey yeah. graham it wasn't look at the success story that just came out of uh you know uh this state um we should, we should learn about this guy. It's more so, let's learn about him. He's already got gloss. He's already got, you know, star power. We're going to usher him with and bless him with all this sort of cash and volunteer and resources. Let's see if he can make a go yeah, agree, of agree. Um, cool. how, uh, the inflated sort of sense of worth that we've given him on the front end rather than reward that with on the back end or in the end game sort of thing. I think it's such an interesting dynamic.
1: You're describing AOC. You're describing AOC versus... Um, you know it's hard to be under the radar in, uh, in a Senate race. Um, good, good point. but you know maybe well, Fetterman, was, yeah. maybe Tim Ryan, if they're successful, will take on the this this national role. Um, but realistically, you know a Congressperson who who defies the odds would probably be the closest we will get to. But they will have to win for us to care, and that that's the difference between these these folks. You know the Stacey Abrams and the Better O'Rourke. Um, both of them lost and suddenly we care, but both of them also missed the biggest lesson. I think that Hillary Clinton can teach mm. and that is figure out where your money comes from and then go to that place. Um, she didn't try and become the next Senator from Arkansas, right? She went to New York and became the next Senator from New York. Cause you know where Hillary Clinton's money came from New York and she was oh. much more suited hey. To being the senator of new york
0: well was- so you're giving me your answer in terms of what these two should do next right you're yours you're actually no, choosing these two, these, two
1: no, oh, these two are done these are done oh these two are done really in any way <laughs> these two are done i don't <laughs> think, know about this i don't know about <laughs> it's well, why why are they done explain yeah.
0: that because the lanes they're i've goodness. given you are national office run again <laughs> and use your clout um to to keep driving home uh, no, Carter, and a, Carter run is again.
2: dismissing. No, Carter is dismissing one that I think you should have put on the table there, Zayn, which, which is which move is what? to a different state. What? Move, move. That's go. no, yeah. that's
1: the one I think they could have. They, go to they could have done go that. New York. before now. Two-time losers don't get put on the ticket in California, New York, Connecticut, Delaware. They yes. don't get put on the ticket now because they're two-time losers. If they'd lost the first time, and Stacey Abrams decided to run uh, in. Um, uh, you know another state, but Carter, this is where they could have won. This is
0: where I think it's it's different. I think them no, losing on Tuesday will actually not make a lick of difference to their they're national dead. profile. I don't think. It, I don't even. Th- I think there'll be some people be like, oh, "That's a people obituary." A I, I don't people think it's going to matter. Oh my god, I actually, it's going to be a I People
1: totally, Magazine obituary.
0: Well, let me ask you this, Carter. Could this happen?
1: Tell me I'm it, wrong. Could this happen? Oh yeah, right? you are telling me. could this happen
0: here, Carter? Yeah, I'm right. Could this happen here, Carter? No. Where we get these superstars that are just constant losers, and you might say we already have one and someone like a Chugmeet Mead Singh. They're... But tell me, tell me what you what you think of something like this happening in the states? All races are national, to Corey's point, and there is and w- what happens here?
1: There is no way that a person could run in Alberta, lose, uh, you know, win a leadership or something like yeah. that, cross the floor, and then lose the next election. And then ma- or stage some sort of miraculous comeback like eight years <laughs> later. There is, there is like no fucking yeah. way that that could ever happen in Alberta, let alone in the United States. It's an impossible. Oh, hey, yeah. like, what are we going to do? Just Go you off and be a radio host?
2: Just, just sent you a text. You want, oh. you want to read that? yet?
1: Yeah. Hang on. I haven't got it yet. Hang on. Can't yeah. see either. Um, no. <laughs> no text. Got nothing.
2: Okay, buddy. Did you it's really okay. send me Did a text? Did you also cancel your no. cell
0: phone so you can record? Afford... <laughs> What's going on, Carter? Hang on. What's going on? Uh, you know, Carter, as, as critical as we were, I'm just going to go back Hang about on, seven minutes. As critical as we were about Justin Trudeau, I know that guy still has the Disney Plus subscription. I know he keeps it on lock. He has keeps a, it fresh. Disney's of course he does.
2: Plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Carter, that guy this... is watching the, the Ewoks day in, day out, guaranteed. Corey, could well, this happen here? He's also Super, got superstars that just can't win. People with no. profile who just can't get the W. No, because we don't have we don't have offices the same way, right? Mm. Uh, we don't have governors, we don't have senators uh, that are representing these large regions, um, and and we- who are our perennial losers. Like even the quote unquote losers are winners in the sense that they're usually like an MP or something. But I, you know, now that I've said mm-hmm. that, I'm thinking about John Tory in Toronto, who didn't win and then became mayor. I guess it's possible. I mean, this, you just this, this, find this, this race to becoming mayor well, we we've just talked about quite often, right? Like, I, yeah. especially yeah. Tori's a good example.
0: Yeah, Horvath and Del Duca are good examples, just because they're recent. Yeah. Um, so that seems to be like one sort of like failure's next stop is mayorships, right? Yeah, but that's a step really down. Like, like that's a yeah. step
1: down. Mm-hmm. No one steps up. No one goes. You know what? I failed at a uh, you know at uh, being a counselor. I think I'm going to try and run for leader of the Liberal Party um that's just not the progression that we go on in this country
0: yet well we're gonna leave that seg segment we're gonna leave that segment there moving on to our next segment our next segment there's a musky scent coming from that bird <laughs> cory hogan <laughs> that's cory hogan it's an interesting thought yeah is is it is it an interesting thought? Because I feel like I know how you've spent your entire
2: weekend. Well, oh, I'm so um, obsessed with this story, like this whole thing. Can, is I, the just, can thing I just I've ever can I just can I
0: just let you give us a summary of what the fuck's happening with Twitter? Uh, uh, we've I, talked about the
2: democracy angle.
0: I just wanted to fucking broach this because I know you're so into it. So let's do it. And I know you guys are Twitter power users more so than I am, mainly because I don't have um, the um, uh, mainly because I don't have the blue check.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the first thing you learn when you get the check is it's actually a white check on a blue background. Um, you'll <laughs> you'll see someday. Probably tomorrow when you can buy it for $8. Yeah. <laughs> what can and you they say? pushed uh, so... it off
1: now. They pushed it off till after the midterms. Yeah. Oh, so. have
2: they actually? Okay. That's probably, yeah. I mean, this is actually part of the story. Like they're just sort of crashing around here. I think Elon Musk did that stupid bit where he walked into Twitter's office with the sink 10 days ago. You know, the yeah. deal barely's closed, and I feel like we've all aged 100 lifetimes in Twitter years since then. Uh, we we have seen him, um, you know, come in saying, "No, oh, I'm going to be really nice to advertisers. Lots of reporting about advertisers saying, well, tell us the plans. Uh, there was some today about as Musk was giving deeply unsatisfying and clearly not thought out answers, in real time people were canceling their Twitter advertising purchases here. Yeah, it's wild lashed out at these advertisers concurrently he's creating this twitter blue thing where uh you can just buy a verified check mark now whereas before it used to mean and like Stephen will know this zane you will not because you're not verified i think i understand thank you yeah
0: thank you yeah for but sure you,
2: you have to upload your id you have to upload evidence of who you are links to things about you that prove your role that requires you to be verified in some way shape or form and no, now you just have to give them $8, right? Like, so this used to be what 20 Thank ch- you, Stephen King. Yeah, well, this is so it was 20, and then Stephen King said, I'm not paying 20, and Elon Musk replied, How about eight? And I don't know if he was always gonna end up on I eight. I don't even
0: think Stephen King responded with, Sure, eight sounds good. He just yeah, said, no. How about eight? And he's just like, Let me just fucking move with this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, but the whole thing just feels really chaotic. It feels like a guy trying a ton of things. And reacting one way in the morning, another way in the evening, depending on any number of different factors here. Like, at one point, he's saying that he has to do this $8 thing because advertisers are bailing like crazy. Some right-wing shithawk says, you should name and shame all of those. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go thermonuclear on them. Oh my God. That might actually yeah. be textbook extortion, the way he described it. But, uh, you know, like, like the whole thing is madhouse. And there's no way he's happy. Like one of the things that's been hilarious to watch is that Elon Musk, having fired the customer support at Twitter, I suppose, is now customer support for Twitter. He's responding to randoms on the Internet about like what they think of his plan. This is the richest man in the world. He looks like the most miserable sack of shit. Nobody could possibly be having a good time doing what he's doing right now. And meanwhile, we're all in this bus that he's driving. He's driving this bus off a cliff, and we're all sitting there going, "You're a fuck, you're an asshole." From the back of seats, the whole exercise As he tries is to the- respond to all of us. Yes, yeah, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen, felt, or did, and I don't even know what I think about it. But like, it's just it does have this stench of death right now on the entire bloody exercise, and I am so pissed off because two weeks ago I said maybe not even two full weeks ago, Twitter would die a slow death yeah I don't know. he's doing his best to give it a quick death because uh you know these these actions are so deeply erratic it seems like he's gonna kill advertising if he doesn't get good pickup on this eight dollar verified scam of his I, like I don't know where they go from here. Carter, we've talked about how the the eight dollar thing is a, is a scam. We
0: talked about the democratic implications. I don't want to get into all of that. Give me your take carter let's let's hone in on this a bit. What would your plan be? Let's just choose one thing that I think we could talk about well because the the chaos is 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 Hilarious to watch in some ways. However, the advertising, what does he need to do in order to usher in a sense of confidence on the advertising strategic comms-wise, in your mind, Carter? What would you think? Because he's he's kind of have two messages here, right? Like Twitter's gonna be net new, we're gonna be the most freest place on the earth. Today is just like we're gonna be the most trusted place for information. And then he's like, everything's gonna change, nothing's gonna change. Everyone, especially advertiser experiencing a bit of whiplash. What would your advice to him be on? securing the revenue base. Let's just have a clear-eyed objective. Uh, as it relates to that, Carter, from your strategic comms perspective, what would you suggest to him?
1: Slow down, stop talking, and figure out a plan. Because Corey's gone through the numbers. You know, I'm not sure if everybody remembers or saw those numbers, Corey, that you put up on your Twitter, but it's been, I've seen it in a number of places, and it's about a billion dollars in uh, debt servicing costs that he has to pay Uh, on a company that doesn't make that much money, period. Mm -hmm. So how is he going to find a billion dollars in debt servicing? Um, Fortunately, he is the richest man in the world. So let's assume that he can figure out how to to at least live one year without having to pay for it from operations. He needs to slow down and figure out what his actual strategy needs to be. And he can't tweet it, right? You, You can't put it out in 200 character, you know, 280 characters at a time and expect that you're going to uh establish confidence anywhere. Um, so you know, I write strategies for a living. Corey writes strategies, you write strategies for a living. All of us, um, all of us went through and write the strategy, and it's longer than 280 characters. So figure it out. Figure out your strategy and then go and communicate that strategy with the big advertisers. Um, I think that, you know, the only tweet that made sense today was that we're going to become the air, you know, the, the the provider of the most reliable news sources in the world. We're going to provide the most reliable information in the world. OK, now go write that down in the strategy, figure out how you're going to do it. Because if I'm an advertiser, that sounds pretty freaking great. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. But you better be able to answer a question that I ask. Uh, and it's going to be very simple. How? And if you can't answer how, you're done. So go figure out what how, the answer to how.
0: Corey, let's talk about advertisers uh, for a second uh, while we're on it. Yeah. We can expand in a sec. But from your perspective, what strategic advice would you give him to secure the revenue? Because this becomes a Armageddon for him if he can't keep his existing revenue stores, as paltry as they are compared to what he paid for them. If he can't keep
2: advertisers, um this thing... Starts sinking faster rather than slower to your earlier point. Yeah. You know, and and some of the napkin math I was tweeting out was really about so there's a billion dollars additional in debt servicing costs just from Twitter. You've got to keep in mind he paid $44 billion for this thing. Some Mm -hmm. of that came of debt that he loaded onto Twitter. And that's where the billion dollars in debt servicing comes from there. But the rest of it, it's not like him having an investment that makes zero dollars is a very good use of that money. You would normally want to put that money to work in different Mm -hmm. ways, maybe in one of your other two massive companies, SpaceX or Tesla, right? So the whole thing, like the billion dollars in some ways is like that understates how much revenue he needs to get for this deal to make a lick of sense, right? And he's just not there. Like you would need to sell... So many, so many like tens of millions of of these like verified uh you know checks in an environment where right now there's four hundred thousand verified people, so you 're clearly opening that to everyone he 's made that very clear what does that mess mean? What does that do to the verified program it's all very sloppy, and Steven said the advice in this particular matter, like I understand why Elon Musk feels the sweat like. It's easy for us to say a simple plebs like, oh, I mean, he's, he can spend a billion dollars over a year. That is so much money. That is such an insane amount of money for us just to yeah. suggest he light on fire. And by the way, he'd probably lose more because the reporting is that the advertisers started getting pretty squeamish the minute he made this bid. And so a lot of the advertising purchases that would be there for next year are not there right now. So the four yeah. and a half, five billion dollars that they would have gotten – take half of that off the top because everybody's taking half of it off the top right now in this economy. And then think maybe only half still are getting there. He might be three, four billion dollars in the hole right now that he's got to get out of just to get to where Twitter was economically last year. And so it's very easy for us to say he should take time, very hard for him to do it. But that is exactly what he needs to do. He needs to figure out what the fuck he's doing because this last 10 days has been madness. You know, he's he doesn't know where he's going that is so very clear. And if he thinks he knows, he doesn't actually have the information behind it to reinforce and back that up. He's saying, oh, comedy's legal again on Twitter. And today he's uh, saying permaban for any parody accounts, unless it says right. parody, right? He's fucking all over the place. And half of this is because a lot of Czechs were out there changing their name to Elon Musk and just saying dumb, funny things. And and it seems like he's taking it very personally. One of the things that I will always tell my my clients or my employers, or, you know, if I'm teaching a course on this, on strategy, one of my rules for strategy is, and he's breaking this so badly. I've said it on this show, but I want to underline it. Never mistake action for direction. He is just doing shit and he thinks that's a plan, Mm. (laughs) but a a plan is about, you know, a focus and clarity and as much not doing things as doing things. And right now I couldn't tell you, and I, I defy anybody to say with any confidence based on the last 10 days is this an advertising first plan? Is this going all in on selling the subscriptions for eight dollars? Like, what is the actual plan here? He's just trying to do everything at once, including layoffs. By the way, we haven't even talked about the fact that he fired half, Later, half
0: nearly half of half the fucking
2: company. And, and yeah, by the way, yeah. reporting he's now going back and trying to hire some of them back because he may have like accidentally fired very important people for the features he's trying to create uh never mistake <laughs> yeah
0: that that great casey newton reporting is amazing yeah that's awesome. never mistake yeah. action for
2: direction he needs to figure out what he's doing before he starts doing it and he is just he's ass backwards on this right now
0: you know carter a cory makes a really interesting point on the business side i don't let you jump in on any strategy there i, I want to kind of shift this maybe a bit talk about elon musk the person carter if you as a Reputational manager, brand manager, political strategist, operative, we're given a call to be like, okay, this is my subject. It's Elon Musk. The task is brand preservation. And he has done a number on his brand over the last six months, right? Um, culminating with the actions of the last 10 days yeah. in particular, right? So let's summarize the fact that the deal was supposed to be at this number. He wanted to back out of it because it didn't make sense. The Tesla stock started to drop. He finally closed on the deal. But before he did, there was a a lawsuit which kind of exposed a lot of his text messages, which also didn't make him look all that great or strategic or the whiz kid billionaire that we suspected. The moves of the last 10 days, to Corey's point, sloppy, not very thought out, questioning the brand of Elon Musk, the guy that is the richest man in the world, and built these two uh, empires in SpaceX and Tesla. If you were advising on the premise of brand, and of course, it's tied to the survival of Twitter because it's his interests, Carter. But what would your advice on Elon Musk's brand be around preserving it, rehabilitating it, um, on the the fact that this guy has kind of built a bit of a brand as this sort of you know, if you if you go back half a decade, the comparison was the Iron Man comparison. The Robert Downey Jr. like this guy is you know, that was his that was what he was seen as. So if that's the angle Carter, how are you preserving Bran? What strategic advice are you giving him uh, on that front?
1: Do you know this guy named Howard Hughes? Because <laughs> that's who we're gonna be from now on. So celebrity. And I think Jeff Bezos also carries this pretty well. Celebrity is a very difficult thing, right? So the thing with billionaires is that you can be a celebrity billionaire or you can just be a billion, because if you've got billion dollars, people are going to know who you are. Um, And it's very easy just to play it up and just to become that celebrity billionaire. And the playboy, the exciting guy, that everybody wants to shake your hand. Everybody wants to be around you. Everything is all yours all the time. Mm. Um, Except that's not real life. And sure, Howard Hughes took it a little bit too far and became this recluse that was afraid that everybody was trying to kill him and all these things. But there is something to be said about just doing the business and not being seen. Um, Some would argue that I'm really not in a place to give this advice uh, because (laughs) I also should probably be seen less. But, you know, in, in Elon Musk's particular situation he's in real trouble right now he this is going to be uh his first big public failure and i'll tell you the the problem with the public failures everybody wants the blood mm. they want the blood and that's what we're doing right now we're all circling waiting for the blood and we are even allowed to we're even allowing ourselves to use someone like kathy griffin um you know a, a d-rate celebrity in her own mind uh, to to become this cudgel but with, with which we will beat him about the head because he, is, he has destroyed uh, Kathy Griffin's spectacular comedy uh, by banning her from Twitter. I mean, it looks personal. It looks stupid. It looks small. And any actions that he takes right now are going to look that way. So get the fuck out of Dodge. You can go do anything. Give Twitter over to a very competent manager. And hope that they don't lose any more of your money than they already have. That's basically what you've done with Tesla. He's not involved in Tesla. He owns Tesla. Those are two very different things.
0: Hey, Corey, uh, just before you jump in on the same question on Elon Musk's brand, um, just a PSA for folks. Uh, Kathy Griffin's newest special available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Corey, <laughs> if you were <laughs> helping... Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry that Christopher oh. won't have a chance to watch oh, that. Oh, oh neither will you, so... Stephen. Oh, that's yeah, bad. God. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that really sucks for both of you. <sighs> um, Corey, Brand, Elon, what was your? What would your strategic advice be?
2: Yeah. Um. So finding a graceful climb down is going to be job number one here, and and Stephen mm. has started that work. It really is about. Declaring victory after you've made these changes, even if they're a fiasco, and say, I did what it's a private company. Nobody needs to see it. Obviously, it's going to leak out. Banks will have that information because they own a chunk of it. The Saudis own a chunk of it, which Mm. we we could get into almost on a separate track here. Um, Yeah. But, you know, ultimately, you just need to be able to say, I did what I came here to do. Now I'm returning to my home planet and get the fuck out of there and hope that you can salvage this thing. Uh, Because, look, I'll tell you, if, there is a learning curve for anything in life. Uh, talented people can make adjustments and go and do things that are different from the things that they did before. Elon Musk is an idiot, but he's not an idiot, uh, you know. And he can yeah. and he can probably start to figure out some of this stuff. But he's got to ask himself: A, does he want to? Does he want to consume his entire life in this? Because again, I'll go back to: He cannot be having a fun time this past ten yeah. days, just based on the reporting, just based on his own like how he's coming off on Twitter, right? And then B. Do you know your own speed limit? I have no evidence that he does. Nothing he's done in the past makes me think he does. And you got to underline, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're good at everything, right? Just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're good at everything. And he might be materially bad at this. When you think <laughs> about some of the things that he did at Tesla, that he did at SpaceX, that were seen as bold, that maybe even made a lot of sense. Um, you know, at SpaceX, it was a lot of this bullying attitude kind of got him into the government. He fought with the government. He got those contracts, right? At Tesla yeah, famously yeah. fired the PR department, does not have a PR department, says the cars speak for themselves. Well, if that isn't a PR move, I don't know what is, right? But that's, mm-hmm. that's a manufacturer. And, and by the way, they're getting killed on certain things if you look at like their Fremont factory and whatnot. So maybe not even mm-hmm. a smart strategy there. When you are Twitter and you are 24-7 in a PR crisis everywhere in the world, do you lay off, as has been reported, 98% of your PR department? Does is that make sense in this business model? Like he, what he's doing is he's taking a, an approach that worked and maybe not worked because of actions, but worked. And he's saying, I'm going to apply that approach here. here. And I see no evidence that a job that is ultimately about navigating the bullshit is going to have the same solutions as navigating manufacturing. I mean, that's just that's my bottom line on this. And um, and so he's got to get out. Step one is getting out. And that means declaring victory regardless of what happens and finding somebody else to run this thing.
0: Carter Corey's last point is is very similar to what we say in politics. You don't run the same playbook from the last race to the next one. It's a different set of circumstances, and it seems to apply uh, here as well. We're going to leave that segment there. Moving on to our final segment, our over, under, in our lightning round. Stephen Carter, we do it for you, and we ask you first, because Stephen Carter, are you going to, right after this episode, go upstairs to your home and storm in and make the case that the family, the Carter family, needs Disney Plus once again? Are you doing it yes or no?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> um, he- Heather scares the shit out of me most of the time, and we are cutting costs right now. so. Uh, I b- I bought some fat bikes and a Tesla, and I believe I am done my expenditures. I'm not going to even risk it for $14 a month. Not yep. even going to risk
0: it. Sucks for you that you won't be able to watch the entirety of Ali McBeal.
1: Uh Corey, uh, <laughs> 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 a groundbreaking
0: series, show. by the way. Yeah, I would agree. Ground? I would agree. Corey, uh, Beto O'Rourke, his next political office. I'm just assuming he's losing on Tuesday night. Every poll day, if he wins, we'll just bring this episode up we'll do a director's cut i'll just eat crow literally but i'm assuming he loses on tuesday night i'm assuming abrams loses on tuesday i don't want them to but seems like they will what's his next political office cory what's I, I, his next move
2: his next move is like uh think tank organizer pack uh you know talking head on cnn or msnbc um and if he has a move beyond that he should calm down like he's got to stop running for stuff every two years and he, he should try to wait until his hair is entirely gray instead of mostly gray and uh and that he can say you know i've learned a lot in the intervening 10 years whatever it Fucking is easy
0: easy for you to say motherfucker sorry that's my beto sorry. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. i do if he
0: liked it carter what does beto o'rourke do next
1: oh we're never gonna hear from him again
0: carter <laughs> jesus he's, he's what dying. what does Stacey abrams do yeah. next
1: uh, who? Nope. She's gone too. She's, uh, <laughs> no, the people she's not. will never hear from her again. She's, not. she's
0: definitely not. You were so wrong not. about, no. I think
2: you're wrong about, I think you both are wrong about that.
0: Uh, Corey, what is, what do you uh, think? Stace okay. Do next?
2: No, no, I'm throwing, yeah. I'm throwing you onto the, the seat here. I think he what loves you himself so guy? much. I oh, don't see anything. I think it's
0: him. I, think, think, it's it's him? Him. I okay. think he's got the same branding. He'll just use the same branding. I'm holding up the sticker. Yeah, you know. could just, you could replace, you could replace for Senate with everything. For tomorrow, for the people, for governor, you just throw on
1: anything you want at the bottom of this. We have that already on your on your Le- Zane velgi for he's leader. He's the poster. original. He's like, like, what the heck? hell?
0: He is he is actually swerving a lot into my lane. This is true. He, he is, is he multi-purpose. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he looks the part more so than I do. That's well, true. Well, listen, when Barry multi-purpose, and the multipurpose loses leader of anything, I think he's and more the Alberta versatile. Party
2: needs a new leader. Beto might be our guy might be perfect um, i
0: don't see i don't see particularly see anything in him other than if it were national office then i think there's like there's some opportunity um that being said i just think this is his game he's just like fuck it i'm gonna run for when's the next senate opening okay I like I think, should, I think if he, he's, if he he's actually be that wants person. to be
2: elected he should run in a congressional seat that he stands a hope in hell in and he was and a congressman
0: from el paso like yeah i'm aware had of had this gig.
2: I'm aware yeah. of this. He should run in a congressional seat that he's got a chance in hell in, and he should just keep kind of the fires going a little bit while he figures out what his next move is.
0: And we'll make sure he listens to this episode. What is,
2: uh, what is Stacey Never Abrams? Never going to hear from, from him again. <laughs> Thank you, Carter. What is, he's done. Uh, what does Stacey Abrams do next, Corey? I think she finds her way into the Biden cabinet.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Corey. Corey. Final question for you as we round
0: Hang out. Hang on,
1: can you ask me again? I did ask you. Because what she's gonna do? She's gonna she's gonna follow the same path as Dave and open a little employment agency, <laughs> trying to get everybody a job.
0: <laughs> that that is I don't, okay. Well, that's fine. And that worked out.
2: Sigourney Weaver. Anyways, like we should talk about the ending of that movie because. It, if if someone's like, wow, she just fell hard for this guy who looked exactly like her husband, like that, that'd be weird too.
1: Yeah, right? that was weird. Yeah. yeah, it was not right. <laughs> yeah.
0: There is a show called Dave on Disney Plus, which is supposed to be very good. So if folks want to check out the show, Dave, which I suspect is very similar to the movie. What it's, are you it's...
1: back on CBC doing your, your you know, weekly Netflix proposals <laughs> like that? How many gigs ago was that? I'm literally just
0: looking up to let people know what Christopher Freeland is missing. Okay, that's that's my entire aim. <sighs> Uh, Corey, I'm going to start with you on this final question. It's Tuesday night. Do the Democrats retain control of the very important Senate?
2: Mm. Okay. Can we talk a little bit about this? Can we take a moment? Do do you want to break it down a bit? Um, Yeah, we can. It's not like the the most robust analysis that needs to be done, but – after Dobbs, there was this real sense, especially in all of the uh, you know various off-cycle elections that were occurring, that the Democrats were outperforming, even in states they were losing. Right? Yeah, they were outperforming. They were losing by ten points fewer than they were supposed to. Things like that. We seem to have lost that entirely, and I'm not I'm not a hundred percent convinced that's based on data. Like I still think there's a chance that the Democrats seriously outperform on Tuesday night, although it does seem that the consensus has drifted away from that entirely. Uh, And certainly the polls suggest that it's going to be a coin toss in the Senate, and um, it's almost a given that the Republicans will get the House. Of course, if the Republicans get the House and the Senate, things are going to get pretty fucky around here. I mean, it's going to get pretty fucky regardless. But um, if the Republicans manage to control one of those chambers, I guess I mean. but there is. In my mind, it's not impossible that the Democrats somehow outperform by five points. And if they outperform by five points, they, they'll they hold the House and they'll win the Senate. Mm-hmm. You think that's likely, though, Corey? No. Yeah, I mean, and
1: when the Easter Bunny comes to your house, what are you going to do? Like, you know, like... Wh- what other fairy tales should we believe in, Corey? Well, the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus? What? What, well, let what do you want to believe? Why in? do you think? Th- okay,
2: so uh, listen. The the cynic in me, the person who's watched America yeah. blow itself up too much in the past decade to possibly believe in miracles, is saying, "Yeah, I, you know." The funny thing is, Carter. I would say that my my heart says they're going to lose, but my head says we have this countervailing data that Democrats are outperforming their polling right now, did, and is that not relevant? Did you to even? Anyone? Trump did this, you I even
1: listen thoughts. to last week's or uh, the the Patreon Patreon episode where I got my ass handed to me in Surrey? <laughs> did you even listen to that?
0: W- where what did I say? I said I
1: was looking for yeah, data. Yeah, yeah. I was looking for data that would reinforce my narrative. You know, come hell or high water. And I mean, I'll tell you something worth 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 twenty dollars a month. That episode alone, uh, and the back to back Jyoti Gondek episode plus this one. I mean. How are we not charging more, Corey? How are we not charging know. more,
2: especially with inflation the, where it is right? I mean, it just feels let like. Me,
1: let me tell you one, one, one more thing though. Like this is us just putting wishful thinking on it. I am now. I'm done with wishful thinking because I am watching in real time the end of an American democracy. That you and I were walking on the streets of uh, uh, Washington D.C. N- not that long ago, talking about could this day ever happen and it's happening Corey. it's happening we are watching in real time the end of a, a of a of a real democracy and it it won't happen overnight it won't happen you know by next thursday um but it very well could happen in the, it, well i think it will happen in our lifetimes
0: well that's true. Carter you don't you don't you don't think the democrats take the senate is that is that what i'm taking <laughs> by that, carter you just just so i'm very clear you don't think
1: i think it's going to remain i think it's going to remain 50-50 oh you think it and is and the Demo- the democratic control of the senate um such as it is with uh cinema and um mansion oh, mansion you know basically saying oh no we're not going to protect american democracy fuck that i'm from alabama and fucking arizona no. so fuck w- the rest West of the Virginia,
2: country but keep going
1: well it's all the same to me isn't it why i even care anymore no because it's over this is why it's the end of american democracy 50 50 50 50 in the senate and uh the, De- the democrats lose the uh house we'll write larry, it down
2: see if larry heather will share that website code with you <laughs> oh
0: that's a wow, that's, that's, that's a upsetting. deep cut for some, some that's a joke <laughs> for seven people yeah, some classic midi music We're going to leave it there. That's (laughs) a wrap on episode 1013 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, and our Disney Plus membership. And we'll see you next time.